For me, writing is less a business than a vocation. A calling. Not so much something you choose as something that chooses you. Not so unlike a drug, really, in that it's hard to imagine quitting. Whether you're whether you'll actually make money is almost beside the point. Viewing writing as a vocation doesn't make you special, just different. So that's a quote from an essay called Getting Good by the American novelist um, Richard Russo from a recent book of his, a pretty recent book of his called The Destiny Thief. And I'm John Fanning, and this is the Create with John Fanning podcast. How's it going out there? Uh, hopefully this time it actually records. I've tried to record this one twice now uh, and had some really good riffs on certain things that I was wanting to talk about, and now I've lost it twice. So hopefully it comes out well this time. Um... So I hope, hope you are all doing well out there. What with all this coronavirus messing going on, all the chaos that it's creating, um, and that you're all not crawling up the walls, presumably you're all listening to more podcasts and watching lots of Netflix. So anyway, hope you're all doing well wherever you are. Um, so this is episode eight of my series of episodes on imagination and creativity based around my book Create. Uh, Last time I talked about lexical prisons and today I want to again talk about another wall as I move forward here into the the wall section of this book. just, Just know that there's probably another another 10, well, maybe seven or eight episodes basically about the walls before I try and delve into doors into creativity. But today I want to get into another wall and that's when I see as the phrase black sheep and the idea of difference and how it moves us away from the imagination when we start calling people black sheep and telling them they're different and not accepting difference as we should. And when you walk out of Plato's cave, whether it's your home, your country, your job, your social group, you become a black sheep. Uh, People are just not comfortable with you walking outside any of these constructs, whether it's the orthodoxy of home or the conventional way of living. Um, You're no longer respectable because you've left the standardization of the workplace or the standardization of education or the, the accepted norms of your culture you grew up in because anything outside of that way of operating is seen as wasting time because you're not following the re- the usual recipe of existing within society and it's you're wasting valuable time you know this kind of capitalistic way of viewing it by playing and playing is creating and you know society doesn't want you to play it wants you to work 
it wants you to get educated it wants you to do what what it wants you to do culturally and so grow up uh, the world says what do you think you're doing what do you think you're you can't just leave this enclosure and I used to see this a lot we used to see this a lot at our retreat in the south of France um, if you, this is your first episode listening to this podcast uh, I used to run with my wife a writers and artists retreat down in the south of France for nearly 20 years and so when people would come there were specific things that I often saw repeated and one of those things being um, the lack of acceptance of someone going on a holiday. Um, a retreat is not something that's acceptable as a form of vacation or recreation because uh, it's not sitting on a beach, uh, jumping into the sea and eating ice cream and whatever other things that are associated with the cliches of what is supposedly a vacation. But creative people see it as a holiday from their job as opposed to embracing their work because there's a differentiation between work and job. And questions they're always asked uh, was, uh, what do you mean there's no shops there? What are you going to do when you're there? Uh, It's so isolated. And... Those are common reactions parents, lovers, spouses, friends, work colleagues have when they find out someone's going to somewhere like Lemuse to create. And why is this? Well, it's because everyone who goes there is ostensibly a black sheep. And when I say how wonderful it is that their their families support their getting away, they nearly all look back at me and laugh or grow serious. And again, why is this? Well, it's like what I said in a previous episode about villains. Uh, A villain doesn't think that a holiday is a holiday when you're choosing to work, unless you're getting paid to do your creative work. Because they associate work with a job, not with the work of your passion, your creative passion, that being what I call work. So when I asked them why they think this is, the creators that used to come to our retreat, why why did they think this was or is, they nearly all responded the same way when they thought about it. They, they felt it was more about the person themselves and their own jealousy because they weren't getting away or they didn't have the courage to create themselves, to get away and do the thing they actually want to do. Because it's more comfortable to stay inside the enclosure or the the pen where they're not criticized for being a black sheep or being different. So going away to create makes them think about the things they want to create. Going the the loved one or the sibling or the friend that goes away to create makes them jealous but then makes them also think about all those things that they wanted to create or want to create or need to create but they're not doing and so they don't like that Um, so if they don't have the courage to create themselves then why would it leads to them wanting to or criticizing the need of others to do so 
which is unfortunate, you know, and it's understandable, but oftentimes things we say are said out of a place of where we don't understand why. So that why is really important there. So we kind of have to ask ourselves, when was the last time we came across um, this uh, abnegation or um, criticizing somebody for their difference, their creative difference? I don't mean creative differences. I mean, they they have a, um, they're trying to enjoy the need to do their work. Um, so when was the last time also, did, did you ever, when was the last time you ever actually came across a creator you admire who was conventional or, or orthodox or so-called respectable? Because this is why the phrase black sheep exists. It's what the parable of the lost sheep actually means in the Bible. Well, from my perspective anyway, what it actually really means. And that's it's, it's the shepherd leaves his flock of 99 sheep to find the one that's actually lost. Um, the, so the parables, it's not just about redemption, but about bringing a, about bringing a sinner back into the fold. It's about the shepherd, uh, God as Jesus, um, leaving the 99 behind to search for the sheep who is like him, free, outside the norm, outside the pen, outside the enclosure where all the other 99 sheep still are. So if we think about it, Jesus was a black sheep. There's so many black sheep, but even Jesus, if we're thinking of the biblical reference here in the parable, he was a black sheep. So that's why he rejoices when he finds the black sheep. That's why the shepherd enjoys searching for this black sheep, that there is a black sheep, this different sheep. The black sheep was lost when she was with the other 99 sheep, not lost when they're, when she's out going into the wasteland of the imagination and creativity to find her true imagination, her true creativity, true self. So the black sheep's only found when she returns a new creative being, a new imaginative being. She can imagine a different world or create different worlds uh, or create different creations because she's jumped out of the enclosure. So biblically, she's she rep- she repents, but she's not repenting. Um, she's repenting conformity and sameness and groupthink, unlike the other to use a quote from the Bible, 99 righteous people who need no repentance. So she needs repentance. She repents conformity and sameness and groupthink. The others don't even think they need to repent anything because they're inside the enclosure. But really, Jesus or God as Jesus is looking for that guy or woman who has jumped out of the enclosure and is repenting conformity and sameness and embracing difference. That difference that will inspire the imagination. 
So the black sheep is different. The black sheep is different. And when you're the black sheep, you're you're not literally you're a different color. You're not white. Like uh you're literally different color than all the rest of the other sheep. You're the sheep that gets away, doesn't do what your family and friends want you to do. Who you're the one who jumps out of the enclosure down to the other side and obviously that's not just some kind of joyful experience of jumping down it, it then you're embracing suffering because you're embracing isolation like when somebody goes to on a retreat you're away from everybody else which somebody people can understand a bit more now this idea of isolation it makes you feel different because your self-isolation you either can sit with yourself and try to create in that self-isolation or you crawl up the walls. Um, so can we accept ourselves and our own form or need of creativity or are we going to crawl up the walls? And so we have to embrace our difference and embrace what it is that we want or need to create. And then we won't have to crawl up the walls. We'll actually enjoy moments of self-isolation Ironically, this isolation that a lot of the planet is now being forced to look at. So, uh, where I come from, or uh, where I grew up, or where I was born, Ireland, uh, because I'm a writer, I am aware very much of other creators like myself from that country who were forced to jump out of the enclosure too and jump down the other side and suffer the difference, suffer li living in a different culture, uh, living in it under a different way of seeing uh, because of my difference, because of their difference, they had to leave uh, because they were too different. And I love Ireland, but I felt like I was too different where I was at the time. And so I wanted to find other people who were different like me and that meant going off and as I said in previous podcast episodes uh, when I was living in London in Camden Town with all those mad musicians and other creators or living with all those other different kinds kinds of creative people down in or working out of that uh, coffee shop down in East Village in New York so all those different people uh, you know are what I needed to embrace my own creativity, my own imagination to allow it to run riot as such. So somebody like Joyce would have left for Trieste. He would have left Ireland for Trieste. He actually called Ireland uh, uh, the old sow that eats her farrow. Uh, so he didn't have a lot of love for Ireland, although he did write really beautifully about Ireland using the colloquial and everything that he'd learnt from Ireland in 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 Ulysses, but it it wasn't published in Ireland. He had to he had to publish it in Paris. And Oscar Wilde, who became more English than the English, you could say, he and a lot of people actually think Oscar Wilde is English or was English when he grew up in Dublin and he left for England. And uh, Beckett as well, he left for Paris, and then was down the south of France 
rear near where we were in the south of France and joined the French resistance. He actually wrote Waiting for Godot in France um, and wrote it in French first, not Irish or English. So it was... And, oh, yes, also it was performed in France. Not It was first performed in France, not in Ireland. Another example would be George Bernard Shaw. He left too. And then there's the other playwright, uh, Sean O'Casey, uh, The Plough and the Stars and all those great plays. He he was basically run out of the country by W.B. Yeats. Um, and he ended up in England. And then there's John McGarren who was basically banned from teaching as a primary school teacher when he came out with his second novel, The Dark. So just because he created something different, he wasn't allowed to teach anymore, so he wasn't able to make any money just to support himself because most writers don't make money, as Richard Russo said there in that quote at the outset that I quoted. You know, he didn't make any money until 20 years in before he... His movies were, or his books were being made into movies with Paul Newman in them and stuff. But John McGarren, um, he was banned from teaching as a primary school teacher in Ireland. So because he was too different and they didn't accept his difference, so he had to go jump out of the enclosure of Ireland and he ended up leaving for England and France and the United States. So where I came from, there were many, many creators who had to escape. That's just the writers. I'm not talking about the artists and the musicians and the whoever else that wanted creative freedom who were black sheep. And these black sheep are always dealt uh, this this card of contempt, you know. Um, they're either run out of country even by people like who are supposed to be creators like Yeats did to Casey. And it's not just Ireland as well. There's so many. This is a worldwide thing, you know. Take any country, whether you're in Australia or Chile or wherever you are, you'll see these how these creators are treated with a form of contempt, but a kind of, it's not so, so much contempt as a more of like, you know... You're a black sheep and you're to be taken with a grain of salt. And so there's somebody, for example, like Da Vinci, who was completely the, the, the black sheep, the black sheep of... He had so many characteristics that would throw him into that box. You know, he's a vegetarian. Uh, he was illegitimate. He was left-handed, as they say in Ireland. He was a kitog. You know, in Kitogs in Ireland, actually, if you had that difference, if you were a left-hander in Ireland, they got a big stick and started bashing your hand until you started using your right hand. So you couldn't be different. Um, and Da Vinci was extremely different. Uh, so he was a black sheep. He was gay as well, um, in addition to being a vegetarian and illegitimate and a Kitog. Um and he was distracted most of the time by many different things, mainly his own creations. So he's jumping from one thing to the next, which is just not acceptable as well. You know, you're supposed to do one thing and that's it. And you're not supposed to have other facets to your character. But Da Vinci being a black sheep, he had many facets to his 
his character, irrespective of even mentioning his notebooks, uh, which I'll talk about later on in a different episode. But he jumped out of the enclosure. And now we have things like the Mona Lisa, which is considered one of the greatest creations of all time. Because uh, it came out of the the imagination of a black sheep. And whether you're into the Mona Lisa or not, I went to see it and wasn't so much into it. But other stuff that he's done is wonderful, but especially those notebooks. Um, but whether you love it or not, it's considered one of the greatest creations. And it came from this guy who is an illegitimate vegetarian who... <laughs> you know, was left-handed. And whether he was accepted or not, he created these beautiful things. Um, So being ostracized by your own generation uh, can often be just what you have to go through when you jump out of the enclosure and go after that need to do your work away from the jobs that you have to do to just survive. So being ostracized can, by your generation, can often mean being an inspiration to other, the following generations. Like Da Vinci is an inspiration to me. All those Irish writers are inspirations to me. Those guys who all left, especially somebody like Beckett who went off and fought in the French resistance and came out with Waiting for Godot around the same time. You know, he was considered a failure when he was 40 or so. Um... But it's okay to be a black sheep. It's okay to be weird. It's okay to be different because that's actually that weirdness and that difference and that black sheepness that's actually going to allow you to create what it is that you need to create or that work that you want to do because you're not going to create it in the confines of the normalized way of thinking. Uh, A lot of time... People can't stand difference, whether it's because you're making them think that they should be different too, like those creators that always came to amuse, or because it's difficult for them to accept difference, whether it's creative difference or just somebody being left-handed or gay or wanting to create a painting or a poem. It makes certain people feel uncomfortable and that's what society often teaches in, you know, it's not blatant, but it's it's a use non scriptum, the kind of unwritten law of how we are considered to behave in society. But when you break out of the pen, joy appears too. The suffering, when you jump off the top of the the pen, when you're you know, literally on the fence or metaphorically, you're literally on top of the fence and you jump down the other side, you hurt yourself. Um, So there is suffering, you know. It's not easy being a black sheep. It's not easy being different than everybody else or allowing yourself to be like everybody else within your society. But joy will appear after doing the work that it is that you love doing. It's why someone goes out into a garage all day and... rebuilding a car when they could be inside watching Netflix or TV with their family. Uh, so, you know, or someone who's uh, going up to an office to write a book about organic farming when they could be sleeping after a long day on the farm bringing in a, a harvest or chasing livestock because they need to create. 
And yes, it might be weird and different and it might seem crazy, but it's actually what they need to do and what gives them joy. So if they're a black sheep, then uh, fair play to them. Uh, because it's making them happy if they're doing what they need to do, the work that they need to do. So if we were all freely doing what we want to do, creating, we wouldn't need terms like bohemians or black sheep. And there are many other words like them, depending on what culture or country you're living in. So in France, as I said in a previous episode, they have this expression for black sheep, uh, il fait le poète, which basically means you're crazy. You know, uh, he's doing the poet. Uh, they have something like that in Ireland too. Oh, he's an artist, you know. He draws the dole. And it's supposed to be funny, uh, dole being the unemployment benefit, which basically means like the same thing as il fait le poète. It means if you want to be a poet, then you're a, you're a bum. You're not going to make any money and you're kind of crazy. Just like if, like in Ireland, oh, you want to be an artist, oh, you want to draw unemployment benefit and you're seen as crazy. And so that's because you're being different and you're being the black sheep. Um, and so this idea of difference, it's hard for people to understand even people when they're creating things for them to understand that not everybody's going to be in love with what you do uh, with your kind of work and what, what you see as as normal so there was a this great example there was this New Yorker who was at La Muse once for two retreats she was writing or more rewriting a musical so she asked me to read a, a draft of her musical and I basically just said to her, I can't read it. And she looked at me kind of a little bit taken aback and she said, oh, so you're too busy, John, is that it? And I said, no, it's just I can't stand musicals. Oh, she said, and you know, she was again taken aback again. And she was kind of taking it as a, as a personal insult. And so I just explained to her that I, I could read it, but but I'm not going to like it. Um no matter how well written it is, because I'm I'm your worst reader. I would, you know, I said it to her. I said, you know, I'm the worst person you could get to read it. And a lot of people are just not going to love your stuff. Um, does, for example, like if you look at someone like Shakespeare, does does everyone love Macbeth or Hamlet or King Lear? Are they into tragedies? Because you know they're tragedies. Are they into that kind of a tragedy, that kind of drama, already into his Romeo and Juliet's, his, his comedies, or uh, his later work, or his poems, or you know, have they read one of Shakespeare? Have you read one of Shakespeare's plays at school and have never seen it performed? So this idea of hating one of Shakespeare's plays just because. You know, you went to school and saw it and then it did your head in and you said, oh, I hate Shakespeare. But did you ever see it live? And if you did see it live, was it actually a good production or a kind of crap one? You know, these all these different ways or different ways of presenting a work as well also has a huge influence on what it is that we receive as good or bad or what we love so we have all these different perspectives on it so one time an example 
another example from the muses, uh, we were down in the library and there was about 10 different people uh, from different countries and uh, I asked them all because I was getting into this idea of difference and different perspectives on the same work. So I asked them all, what, have they, had they read Anna Karenin? So two people said that they, I think it was two, maybe it was three people said they had read it. No, they did, didn't want to read it and they never will read it because the book's too long and those Russians, they write books that are too long. That was their one thing. You know, irrespective of the story, the plot, how well it was written, they didn't care. They're never going to read it. So that's three out of ten gone straight away. Then there was about two or three people who had read the first one or two chapters and then hated it. Didn't like it. Didn't want to read it again. Then there was about four people that loved it. Like, thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. Just, like, wonderful book. And then there was a few that got the whole way through and hated it. And then I think there was one person that got about halfway through and gave up. And then there was me, and I loved it. So this is completely arbitrary. Everything about just how we receive creative works, how we create creative works, um, how many people have actually read them or not read them, much less seen them performed or read. or So it's a really wonderful way of looking at it. Uh, to understand that difference is very different for different people and that we have to accept difference and accept other people's loves and passions of what it is that they are into. So people like different things. And why is that? Because ostensibly we're all black sheep, not just creators. Um, we're all different. Some people hate tragedies, others hate thrillers. Others hate comedies or musicals like me. I wouldn't call it hate them. I just can't, don't have time for them. I just can't watch them. They just bore me, you know. I just can't. Somebody breaking out into song and dance in the middle of uh, losing their spouse or something, just oh, it's not what I'm into. But other people, they love it. So if you write a wonderful musical with all the best actors, a wonderful director, the best locations, I won't watch it. Never. I, I I can't stand them. They drive me crazy. My wife, she loves them. Um, it's nothing personal. Uh, just like that lady that who wrote those, was rewriting that musical, that she kind of took it personally until I, we got into con having a conversation about it. So other people who love them or love her, her stuff, you know, her musical, uh, it's their... F other people's favourite thing to watch or to read or listen to. But am I supposed to see people who love musicals as black sheep in a in a negative way? Or do I simply accept that we're all different with different tastes? It's like saying you have to fall in love with people from a specific part of a specific country with a specific skin colour or accent or language. No, that's just not true. That's that's just, you know, that's authoritarian in your thinking. It's just negative. So we're all different and we have to accept difference. We all like different things. We all create differently, you know, and it's not just in, in creative works, you know. You think of somebody like those guys who, the American guys who created Ben and Jerry's ice cream. You know, they created that out of difference. 
all those whacked out unusual types of ice cream that so many people love now they were created taking into consideration Ben's I think it was Ben yeah it was it was Ben has um, anosmia uh, which is this lack of smell and a near lack of taste so he, he kept wanting bigger and bigger chunks of different stuff in the ice cream to fulfill his need for feel for consistency in food because he basically couldn't taste it or smell it and because of that difference of his creation his different way of looking at so uh, or um his difference created a different form of ice cream that we can all enjoy now because of the different tense taste sensation his different perspective so when I think about it, I personally, I know most people will never read, for example, my 350-page novel, just like most people will not read Tolstoy's gargantuan novels just because it's too bloody long. It's irrespective of whether it's good or it's bad. So that's just one part of a whole demographic of society. So some people just don't read novels as well. Not that they just won't read a 350-page novel. They just don't read novels. They, they might listen to them on on a podcast or on a on tape. So even less if it's a literary novel or a so-called literary novel. And even less if it's over 200 pages. So do I take that personally or do I just keep writing? Well, I just keep writing. The reader, the person who will love my 350-page novel, they'll eventually find a book. Like uh, like with Blake, um, they'll finally find it as such. Somebody will find the book and get something out of it, and then other people won't. It's the same with Amazon reviews. Or, like I had this, uh, we had this American novelist at Lemuse who just didn't get difference. She was just pissed at, People were one star in her novel, bringing down her star rating. Even though she had like 4.5 average or something out of about 300 reviews, it just annoyed her so much that somebody was one starring her book. And I tried to explain it to her that they just weren't her readers, that they bought the book by mistake, basically. But she didn't want to hear it. She couldn't accept that other people had different tastes than her, that other people just didn't like. Lit- historical literary fiction um, but that's this thing so yeah the Blake thing that I was just talking about there it reminds me of of William Blake and how basically he was a, a pauper when he died he was completely forgotten um, save by a few creative friends because he was basically considered insane by his contemporaries like uh, the epitome of the black sheep which like Tolstoy who was a black sheep too um, it was only with the immense effort of, of this young biographer a guy called Gilchrist that, that we even have access to Blake's beautiful work and so Blake found a reader one uh, who just loved his stuff so much that he pulled it out of obscurity by writing a whole book he actually worked himself 
into an early grave by writing about William Blake's life and because he felt what he created was so different and beautiful. So it's okay to be different. It's okay to get outside your comfort zone. Actually, it's I feel it's a tremendous help when you're trying to create something different, whether it's an ice cream or a poem like Blake. So think about how boring life is when when we're not pushed to grow, to become a black sheep, to become ourselves, to jump out of the enclosure onto the other side and go into that wasteland of the of the imagination, that that productive wasteland of the create of creativity of the imagination. And how can you create if you're in a small container inside this small pen st- stacked in with everybody else? You can only grow to the size of your container. So if if you make your container bigger, if you jump out onto the other side, then you you create larger, more expansive creations because you created a, a larger, more expansive self, your own self. You grow as as your creations grow. But if you're stuck inside the pen of the 99 who don't feel they have to repent then you're not going to grow it's just kind of simple simple fact or simple way of looking at it so i would advocate getting up on the fence and don't stay on the fence too long just either jump over the other side or go back into the pen uh jump outside the container jump outside the enclosure uh I would advocate jump down to the other side and go off into the wilderness like the wilderness of imagination like uh, Jesus did or the Buddha did or Emily Dickinson did or Socrates or any creator that you feel inspires you. They've always been black sheep. So... That's what I wanted to talk about today, this this idea of black sheep and difference and acceptance of it and embracing it. So thanks for listening. Uh, I started the product with a, with a quote by Richard Russo. And as usual, I'm going to end on a pretty apropos uh, proverb uh, in Irish, which means, this one means basically that there tends to be a black sheep even in the whitest flock. <laughs> So there tends to be a black sheep even in the whitest flock. And it goes, Bian quera gov eran thread ishgila. Bian quera gov eran thread ishgila. So this podcast is supported by you, uh, the listener, via my Patreon page. And if you want to support the podcast, then head over to patreon.com forward slash John Fanning, where you can get early and ad-free access and hopefully soon some extra uh, episodes when I get a chance and if you want to support it if you can afford it um, just uh, send me the price of a cup of tea or a pint once a month and if you can't afford it that's grand too just leave a, a review on iTunes please and if you want to connect with me you can go to my website where you can see stuff uh, all the episodes on johnfanning.me and that's about it uh, it's been great sharing stuff with you today and uh, Hopefully you're all you've all got something out of it. And until next time, take care out there amidst this coronavirus messing. And be benevolent when you can.
So, Shranliv, August, Gunnarion Bauerliv. <laughs>